Geraldine Spurway, welcome to the Purpose Dead Leadership Podcast. I'm delighted to have you on the show. We met at Leah Turner's party about six or seven months ago. You're very well known on LinkedIn, but for those who don't know you, can you start by telling us what you do? So first of all, thank you for having me. Um, so I specialize in building brand for solo-lined entrepreneurs, senior executive um, and CEO. And um, my strategy is the energy mastery. Mm -hmm. Wow, so energy mastery. Put a bit of context on that, what does that actually mean? So to put it in context, uh, I come from a third generation of psychic and healers. So that's something I don't really talk about on LinkedIn or anywhere else, or maybe a little bit on Instagram. Um, but I guess in the way that I build brand for my client, um, I use a lot of um, channeling, intuition, mm -hmm. um, in order to really tap into their deepest desire, um, um, crystallizing their vision through um, really how they're really meant to show up in this world. Yeah, I want to delve into a lot more of that because I think that... Do, do, do you tend to have more males or more, or more females as a client base? So when I set up my business, I initially wanted to work with men mm -hmm. because I used to work in the tech industry and there was not a lot of space for women to be heard. Mm. So initially I set up my business to work with men, but COVID hit. And when I started to show up online, I was only attracted women. So my marketing was uh, women orientated. And um, this year I made a shift. I decided that I wanted to work with more men. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's definitely you know, picking up. So, yeah. Great. So how did you get into this kind of stuff? Because you don't just kind of fall into it. Or maybe, maybe you were like this from an early age. I don't know. Into what? Into the brand? Into, into, the, into the work. You talk about psychic healing and energy and channeling and intuition. How did you kind of decide that was going to be your career? Well, I never decided. Actually, I fell in the pot. So when I was a little girl, my, my grandmother used to um, read uh, the future in my hand or in our hands and we used to play cards, tarot cards and and I, I really grew up with this kind of crystal uh, reading the future mm. and when, um, when I was eight um, my parents were doing um, a, what is very famous now but at the time it was like very niche a Reiki training and at that time you know you had to follow your parents so I was yeah. in the back end of the room um, doing my things, coloring reading books and then the the master wanted to show the, the people who were being trained mm -hmm. the energy and the pure, the pure energy of a child. So he asked me to come and he was holding a pendulum and um, he just wanted to show how the pendulum would move differently with a, with a child rather than an adult. Yeah. And, and the pendulum went mental. Right. So the, the master then went to see my parents and he said, she's a healer. I have to, yeah. um, to work with her. So I was only eight when I was uh, attuned to Reiki. Mm -hmm. And then things happen, like, for example, we had our cat was um, run over by a truck and the vet wanted to cut her tail and I refused and I said I was going to heal her. So I managed to save three quarter of the tails of my cat with my hands. So yeah. I knew I had something, but wow. I, I, was, I wasn't really sure what it was. Um, so, yeah. So, so describe that to me in terms of like the feeling of does it, does it sort of come and you, is it an intuition? How does it feel when you're actually doing that to a, uh, an animal or, or a human being? I mean, it must be a bit of a spiritual experience, right? So it's basically as healer, we are channeled. So we're channeling the energy that we receive um, mm -hmm. from 
highest realms and then we we, we channel it every healer is different the way i heal is through my words and through my hands so yeah. there's heat under my hand and then um i just literally send light and love and all of the things but but let's say that within the years i've trained a lot with um different healers different chainmen yeah um i'm 44 now so it's been quite a while i've been doing that work. yeah I've traveled the world to Bali to work with very, very uh, big healers sure. and I've created my own things now. So, I mean, what would you say? I'm sure you've had a lot of skepticism. I mean, I get skepticism in the work that I do, but powerful CEOs or people in positions of responsibility, whether they're male or female, and you're trying to say to them, it's about intuition, it's about healing, it's about energy, when they're transfixed on the process and the numbers and all that. I think fundamentally tapping into this kind of stuff is really important but it's also kind of like dismissed quite a lot what would you say to that i actually don't talk about it i've never talked about it i've i've just started lately because um my psychic ability are growing and growing but i've never talked about it i mm. used people used to tell me how do you know oh my gosh you just know yeah and then i would work with people and their income would credible of a of a night and they're like oh i don't know every time i work with you something is shifting and i had yeah one of my biggest clients um who would book me uh for you know every quarter to hit a target and then I'd, one day her boss said to her so what's your secret and she said she's my secret so she yeah. had me come over and do a big workshop mm. with her team then the boss called me and he said oh my gosh the sales floor is on fire yeah. So, yeah. But before that, I would never talk about it. I would just do it. So do you, do you think that certain people are born with these kind of gifts? Or do you, is it a skill that you nurture and learn? No, both? I think we're all naturally born with some abilities. Mm. But some people develop them through, um, you know, they, they are suddenly receiving what we call the calling or yeah. having a spiritual awakening. And every so often it happened after a very, very big shock mm. or... Um, a cloth, a, a death experience, a near-death yeah, experience, yeah, which yeah. is what happened to me when I was 20. I tried to commit suicide and I saw the, the tunnel. And when I woke up, I started having all these visions and I knew my life would never be the same. Well, let's go to that point then. So why did you decide to kill yourself or, or try to at least? Yeah, try. <laughs> Still, um, I was suffering from depression. When I was 16, I was anorexic. I was a perfectionist. I was a dancer and I had to be the best at, you know, everything I was doing. Yeah. Um, and when I was only 18, I moved to Nottingham. I'm French. I moved to Nottingham Trent University to study. And when everyone loved university, getting drunk and all of these kind of things, mm. I didn't really like it. I was on my own. I didn't have my family. I was living with my best friend, but I didn't enjoy going out, getting drunk every night. So I felt really, really lonely. And then one day I got assaulted um, and came back home and and literally put maybe three stone in a, in a month, cut my hair really short. Wow. Um, and then flew over to France, leaving all my stuff in Nottingham. My parents didn't understand what was going on. And um, on the day of my 20th birthday, I swallowed three box of pills, tried to commit suicide. Then I woke up in hospital. Then I tried to cut my wrist and then mm. I ended up in a psychiatric hospital wow. for two weeks. Yeah. So um, what was the aftermath of, of, of that experience? How did you come back from that? 
Um, I didn't want to stay in the hospital because I thought this is not for me. This is not my place. I need to get out. Mm. And um, and one day I managed to drag myself because they were giving me so many drugs. I managed to drag myself out of the room and to call my parents from that, you know, the, the, the receptionist area and to tell them, come, come and pick me up. So they yeah. came and they said to me, you have two choices. Either you heal, either you stay here, meaning you're going to have to eat or you stay here or, you know. Yeah. Um, so... I said, I, I just want to get better. So let's let's take me out and I'll get better. And the day I decided to get better, went out, came back to my parents. I was 20 and um, my leg got paralyzed. I was swimming in my parents' swimming pool and then suddenly my legs didn't respond anymore. So my dad plunged, picked me out and we didn't understand what was going on. But my head and my body were completely disconnected. I couldn't walk anymore. So they took me to... Um, to a healer, an acupuncturist, a, um, a Chinese guy who barely spoke French. And he said to me in his very broken French, um, you're not dying. You tried twice, not your time. You leave now. Mm. <laughs> and I will always remember that guy because he's the guy who actually put me on that very big spiritual path. Yes. And I saw him and my mom became an acupuncturist because she wanted to help me and heal me. And we, we, started, we, we started to dive into neuroscience and why my body wasn't responding. Um, and so basically it was all the power of the mind and the brain. And this is how at 20, yeah. I really started to do visualization, sure. meditation, to have the ability to control my body through my thoughts. Mm. And that's how I really heal myself. Yeah, I think it's really powerful. I, th I think it is about what you think you, you can actually think yourself into most things, positive and negative, right? And I yeah. think that's that's a good example of of, of that. And um, so let's let's go, let's go back. Let's hear. I mean, this is really fascinating to me in terms of your journey, kind of since school. Paint us a picture, kind of since school to now, if you don't mind. I was the best. <laughs> I was the girl who was doing everything perfectly: piano yeah. perfect, dance perfect, school perfect. Um, until I did, I did one of the top business school, but then right in the middle after the year in Nottingham, I did that. I tried to commit suicide, so I came back, mm -hmm. um, did my third year, finished top of the promotion, and and then I realized I actually didn't want to work. You know, I had this diploma and everything, and all I wanted was to travel the world. Yeah. Um, but I had this diploma, and I had to pay back the loan and everything. So anyway. Um, I was young, I was 21 years old, couldn't find a job, started to work in a bank, hated it, but was making good money. Mm. Um, and then every eight, nine months, I would quit when I had a lot of money and I would travel. I, go, I would go to Thailand, Asia, and be like, no, that's it. I'm going to be opening. Um, I would train in massage, Ayurveda, and all of these kind of things. And I'd be like, no, that's it. I'm going to really focus on doing healing. I'm not made for the corporate world. Come back to yeah. France and be swallowed again in this kind of you know very busy mm. um industry where you could make money very quickly so at 29 years old i was already earning multi, multi six figures yeah really living the high life uh, organizing mm. the biggest party in Cannes, right. the camp festival yeah really living my best life um but something was off like really off. And I remember seeing a lot of healers and psychic and, and saying to one of them, mm. why am I so sad? Why am I suffering so much? Yeah. And she said to me, because we can only help people when we have gone through that. So one day you will be helping others. And at yeah. that time it didn't make sense. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but now um, it all makes sense. Um, so anyway, fast track that period where I was doing really well and successful. Mm. When I was 32, I was living in Monaco, living again, a very successful life. And I met uh, my husband over there who was living in London. Um, so a year later, I moved from Monaco to London. Mm -hmm. And that was a disaster. I wasn't speaking very good English. I had to start my career from scratch. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know who I was. I didn't fit in the English culture. It's it's yeah. It's very different, right? Um, so it took yeah. a year for me to adapt. Um, and within a year, I found the job that gave me the opportunity to really um, to grow. Yeah. I work for a tech company developing the um, EME market for them. Okay. And I think this is where I think started to really um, turn around for me in London. Okay. But at that stage, I was still not yeah. really reconnecting with the healing stuff. Just to go back then, I mean, I, I've known you for a, for a number of months now, and um, I'm, I'm struck by your kind of independence and your drive. You've always kind of kind of fended for yourself. You've always wanted to kind of uh, impart your gifts on other people. I just wonder, where, where, does, where does this drive and this is in, insatiable desire to kind of like... Um, teach people come from is it is, is was it your parents and, what, and what's what's the reason for doing what you're doing what's your purpose around doing that because it's very it's very um noble and it's, it's very serving of other people so how would you describe the reason why you're doing what you're doing oh that's a very good question um i'd say i've always loved to give Mm -hmm. I've always been this kind of nature where I wanted to save the world. Um, and I believe when you're a true, what we call a light worker, mm -hmm. you are, your mission on this earth is to really help the world be a better place. And it's very yeah. cheesy. But yeah, I've yeah. been bullied quite a lot when I was young. Okay. Um, it wasn't bullying, like um, stealing or being, it, it was more very, very bitter word, and especially from little girl. And I I think I'm fighting that battle. That's why I've been working with so many women, and I really champion women because yeah. we are so much stronger together, and there's so much competition out there. Yeah. So I just think, no, I didn't have that role model. My mom, yeah, she was no, she wasn't very empathetic. She's an amazing mom, but I didn't... Mm. No, I just think there's no logical explanation. I, th I think I just really love giving. Yeah, it's interesting with that, what that guy said about when he said, or she said, um, sorry, uh, you have to go through it so you can give. And yeah. I'm in the same situation as you. I, I, I do deem myself as someone who teaches people and I'm a, I'm a mentor and I'm a guide and all, a business coach and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I, I've only been able to, and I do loads of stuff for mental health as well. And I've only been able to kind of, I think, become successful because I've shown my vulnerability on LinkedIn, for example, but I've been through quite a lot of adversity. And I feel that it's almost, sometimes the adversity that we go through can be almost like a gift in terms of like, it teaches us so much. At the time, it's like shit, isn't it? But I think some of the, some of the darker times that you've gone, that you've mentioned there has really helped you with your career in a, in, a, in a paradoxical kind of way, what would you say to that? I'd say 100%. Like, I always remember the darkest time because when you go through, it's just, it just, it feels like an epiphany. When actually, if I think of the time where I was flying high, 
I don't remember any particular moment. Absolutely. I actually just remember a few incredible parties, and but that's it. Mm. But I will always remember the darkest moment because I remember when I finally, finally was on the... When I finally went on to the other side, yeah, I make spelling mistakes when I speak. Yeah, it's okay. When I finally managed to go through, mm. it's an inner shift, and you finally realize, okay, this is what I was supposed to learn. Yeah. And now maybe I can teach others to yeah. go through that and and to empower them to they, um, to their journey is shorter. I mean, I've learned over time that I'm, I, even a couple of weeks ago, I had something that happened to me that was really quite severe to deal with. But because I've had adversity quite a lot, I was kind of looking up and almost like praying to my higher power. And just, I, I just said to myself, something good's going to come out of this. It's something good is going to come around the corner. This is a lesson. And kind of like, it's not like, it's not like I go looking for adversity or, or, or trauma, but I think, I think that... Um, you do have a choice sometimes as well. You can choose to be a victim or you can choose to be a survivor. But I, th I think it takes practice. I think it takes skill. I think it takes um, going through it. But I mean, as an example as well, I mean, some of my some of my closest friends, they've, they've, they've been given everything that they wanted by their parents. They've gone to the, the most expensive private schools out there and they're absolute idiots in life. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't treat your children and give them the best things and everything else. And you talk about can. I mean, I've been to the Monaco Grand Prix. I've been a millionaire. I've done loads of stuff. But I've been happier um, when I haven't been necessarily focused on those kind of things. And I've learned more from my dark times than I have from my successes. I'm just think that's, that, that's what I'm getting from you around. Um, and that's what you're teaching your clients and, your, and the people around you, right? Yeah. I mean... Even last year, I had my most successful month. It was in January, and then I invested in. A, I made a very bad investment in coaching. Right. Um, and I literally threw twenty thousand dollars in the bin, like literally. Really, right. And it developed like a huge trauma at physical level. Mm. My sales tank. I couldn't sell anymore. I was just obsessed by the idea that I had invested wrongly yeah. and I was feeling so vulnerable. So, oh my gosh, I could have bought a car. Like what guilty and shameful. Yeah, that, I've been right. irresponsible with yeah. that money. It was $20,000 for six weeks coaching. And I had been said, I have been told that in order to, I had made 30K in a month hmm. and I was in this kind of coaching co coaching bubble where they were telling you that if you want to hit your 50K month, you have to invest at that level. Yeah, right. So it create an energetic shift. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go. So when <laughs> I bet, I was like, yeah, I'm so excited. And yeah. then literally worst coaching ever, proper scam. Hmm. Anyway, hmm. and for Two, three months, my cells completely tanked. I was feeling miserable and I was like, I need to do something. Something needs to shift. Everything I'm doing is not working. The energy work is not working. Meditation is not working. Yeah. So I literally switched off. I booked myself on a retreat on my own with one person in the middle of nowhere in France, fasting for a whole week with that of green juice a day, right. hiking, yeah. and no social media, no interaction with anyone wow, for right. a full week. It was nearly a silent That's retreat. not easy to do. It was horrible because I yeah. love talking, I love eating. <laughs> <laughs> and um, day three, I thought I was dying. I had withdrawal syndrome. I was shaking. I was like, oh, dude, I want to die. And then the clarity that came out of that was mm. just amazing. And at that moment, I remember thinking about that coach and being like, it's not her fault. 
Yeah. She found a stupid girl ready to pay her 20K yeah. without any question. She's an amazing saleswoman. She's just not a yeah. right coach. And at that moment, yeah. I forgave her because she was a ni- she's a nice It's a person. lesson to you, though, isn't it? In, term- yeah. in a different way, because if that happened to me, I'd be the same as you. I'd be very kind. Of, I'd, I'd walk around and feel kind of like... But I think every time that, that happens to me now, it, it, that period of self-attack is smaller because I think, hang on a second, it's just another lesson. It's how you respond. And then... What would I say to my client if that happened to my client? That, that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, and the thing is, I forgave her in the minute. And the funny thing happened when I talk about energy a lot. Came back to London, opened my email. I had three cells coming in. Yeah. Like it was just and yeah. not being on social, so power of energy. Yeah. And I literally had a delivery, um, a flowers delivery from the coach from Germany. I was like, the day I was really... Yeah. Like completely releasing any anger and anxiety towards her. Mm. And actually, we're friends now. Yeah. Um, and that's funny because the reason why I'm sharing this is because sometimes you just need to really go through this experience. But you need to forgive yourself yeah. and forgive others. And there's a very powerful thing that I use with all my clients called Oponopono. It's an ancient Hawaiian prayer. I've, um, I love you. Thank you. Please forgive me. Is though, yeah, is, I've, read that, I've read that book, yeah, yeah. it's a phenomenal and it's, yeah. thing. Yeah, and it yeah. works really well and it's actually yeah. super powerful, so yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's just like, that's like um, you're not necessarily saying that to yourself, you're saying it to like the universe, aren't yeah. you? You're encouraging yeah. everyone else to yeah. be that way. Um, on the coaching thing, it's interesting when you say you kind of got ripped off or you, it was a scam. And even the word coach gives a lot of people kind of like, you know, they think everyone, every single coach is is, yeah. is out to get. That's obviously not the case. But what's your what's your view on the coaching landscape? The LinkedIn trainers, LinkedIn coaches, business coaches, life coaches. You know, it's quite a crowded market, right? My view is that there are some great coaches out there, but there's also some coaches that are peddling shit, and it's just the same shit. So, I'm going to be very French here. And I think it's a pile of shit. Um, I think uh, people are pretending to be who they are not. And the actually real coaches, real mentors are the one who are watching on the sideline and don't need to shout about their results. Um, because I've seen a lot of, lot of them shouting about their results, how millions they're making and they have no testimonial, no case study, yeah. no social proof. Sure. Um, and... I just want to encourage people when you want to work with someone, do your research. Don't mm. don't just don't do like I did. <laughs> just really be mindful um, yeah. of who you're going to be working with. Make sure that that person walk the walk. Make sure look at the creds, the testimonial. Have them are there where you want to be. Have yeah. them taken people like you um, where you want to go because. Mm. There's a big trend on LinkedIn, which is about copywriting, ghostwriting. This is a new Eldorado. But actually, let's say, you know, if you work with a ghostwriter and that person gets you client on the back of what you've been writing for them, it doesn't mean that you're going to convert on a sales call. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you're going to deliver an amazing experience with your clients. Sure. And I think there's a lot of disconnect between everyone wants to be famous on LinkedIn. Everyone wants to... Everyone wants to want this highest recognition. My engagement is down 50%. Mm. And my sales, I, I've made a, I wrote a post today about this, are up 70%. And it's because I've been a bit more specific. Totally. And I knew totally. it would trigger people. I speak a lot more about energy. I'm embracing who I am. And I know people will be like, oh. Yeah. But the more 
you embody who you are and you stop looking at the vanity numbers, mm. you know, most of the people who contact me, it's very weird. They either never like my post, they find me on Instagram Absolutely, yeah. and they come and talk to me on Instagram. Yeah. Or they never like my post, they never comment, mm. they just send me an email. So they look for my email on my website and they're just like, yeah. I would like to work with you. It goes back to your intention of posting. And, you know, I think, yes, it's about building a community. Yes, it's about going to the comments and making friends. And I've made your one friend that I've made. I've made loads of great friends and connections. But ultimately, LinkedIn is is is, is a business platform as well. And, and if you're just posting to get the likes and have a, have a nice chat, ultimately, you can't blame anyone else but yourself if you're not getting the business. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm most, I met the most amazing people on LinkedIn yeah. and people I'm partnering with and amazing collaboration. What I have noticed lately, and I'm not the only one because I'm having conversation with people who are more our age group, yeah. is um, the imposter syndrome it creates for all of us who have kids who are very busy lifestyle with mm. this kind of um, need to be constantly online to, yeah. to trigger the algorithm. And actually, sure. I've noticed that I was feeling really um, anxious lately yeah. because I was, oh my gosh, I need to post 8 a.m. Oh my gosh, I need yeah. to engage half an hour yeah. and I have a hundred comments to reply to. And now I'm just like, oh, no. I'm, I'm, no. do you know what? I think LinkedIn's, um, they've, they've, met, they've done something to the algorithm. I think everyone's engagement is down, but I've been so thankful for that because it's given me more time. And actually, like you, my LinkedIn, kind of metrics have gone down but my business has gone up it's the same thing i'm much happier talking to my actual audience as opposed to trying to uh you know be perceived as having four thousand likes every time i post it's, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a strange one but i think it i think we've all been guilty of it yeah. um but also um yeah, LinkedIn isn't the only platform out there. There's other platforms as well, mm. and you shouldn't shouldn't put your eggs in in in, in one basket. But let, let, let's go back to you uh, in terms of. I want to talk about vulnerability a little bit. Okay, it's one of my uh, favorite words. What what are, you, what are your vulnerabilities? What are your fears? Cut me off, To lose everything. To lose everything. Um, I came to this country when I didn't really speak very good English and I had mm. a very successful life in Monaco. Um, and it was really difficult, did not have any friends. It was a time where we had a Blackberry and I remember looking at my Blackberry and no one was calling me because there was no WhatsApp, there was no free phone. Yeah. And I was feeling very lonely. Um, when I set up my business three years ago, it wasn't an easy ride, but I was very successful very quickly. Mm. Um, and I've always thought it was some sort of luck somehow. Yeah, you're right. So this is the feeling I get. I'm mean, very similar to me in terms of I've always had this feeling of a little bit, I'm not worthy enough, I'm going to lose everything. Um, and in a funny way, that also drives me to be really good and really better. I, I also think sometimes that these kind of negative thoughts can actually be a good thing because if you do get too complacent, that's not good either. Yeah. So it's not not that we want to be constantly thinking we're not good enough, we're going to lose it all. But um, yeah, I, I tend to c catastrophize a little bit. What's, if you, you were do. coaching me, what would you say to me? In which context? In terms of like, uh, or anyone who feels like, he, imposter syndrome is an overused term, right? But if, if anyone feels like, well, how can I how can I compete with someone on LinkedIn who's got all these likes or um, what if it all goes wrong in terms of you talk about 
you know, the power of positive energy, what, what sort of tips and uh, advice have you got for someone who has got a lot of um, negative self-talk? First of all, I would say that uh, there are billions of people in this world, so they're clients for everyone. And mm. I would say to that person that he or she is a step further than a lot of people, that he doesn't need to talk to everyone. He just needs to talk to the people who are the version of him or her yeah. at a point in time. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to be good at everything. You don't need to be... Mm. Um, um, the most visible if you're an introvert. You don't need to do that. There's so many different ways to build businesses. And mm. I would actually comfort that person um, that, that there is one thing that it does better yeah. than everyone else. And that's that's the thing you need to talk about, you need to be talking about, mm. and to master it. Yeah. I think it's also understanding what your client's pain, pain points are and sticking sticking to that, isn't it? And just trying to solve, solve a problem. Um, so talk talk to us about mental health and your well-being. What sort of journey have you had there? Because obviously trying to end your life and things like that. Um, how, how has that been for you over the course of the last couple of decades, would you say? Well, I, I don't know if you ever recover from depression fully. I think it's always there. There's It's like a, a shadow that is mm. there and it can be triggered by the most insignificant event. Um, so I've been, I've always been working with healers. I've always, like I said, since I was 20, I've been, I meditate every day and it makes me love today when I see, oh, power visualization. I haven't been invented anything. It's yeah. come from the, India, from Buddhism and from all these countries. Just, it's it's been known for century. Um, mm. So I meditate every day. I. I'm very active every day. Like if I don't do an hour <laughs> training in a yeah. day, I'm kind of, yes. um, I'm, I wouldn't say anxious, but I need to train. Yeah. Um, I, I've also been working with, no, not, not anymore, but I've had great therapists to help me go through the journey. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, there will be a moment in life where something happened and the energy healing this is not enough yeah. or the healer they don't have all the tools and that the great mm. therapists out there who were able to use different um yeah. therapy like like EMDR or kinesiology or I've tried everything anyway yeah um and all these different tools like breath work and all of that yeah are very useful to help uh, you heal from this trauma because trauma are stored at cellular level. Mm. So even though you can you do therapy, if you don't work yeah, yeah. Um, deeper, mm. you always are on the edge to... Yeah, and this, this is the power of, a, I think, a great coach or whatever we want to call ourselves is someone who's actually been through the problems that you're trying to solve for your clients as well. So give us a, give us a typical example of um, a client problem and how you would solve it because you, you do breath work you do healing you do branding there's quite a lot of strings to your bow isn't there yeah so it was confusing for me for a very long time because i specialize in building brands and and i was like oh my gosh my messaging is so disconnected and right. I, I do messaging for my client and i was well aware that mine was completely off yeah and actually i realized that um my most successful client were the one i was working on 
first on their energy and the mindset. So I decided that it was non-negotiable that my offer, my package is we work for, first on your on your blockages, your your trauma, all of the you know, yeah. stories you telling to yourself that are stopping you from moving forward. And then the strategy literally flows, the brand Got kicks you. off, the sales increase. Um, mm. So... I think that's right. I think that's really good. I think I think um, whether it's more men or not, it probably is. But a, a lot of men, you know, keep their emotions to themselves. But women do. Women do that as well. But I think that until you can get to the root cause of some of this trauma, a lot of people say, "I oh, don't go back and stop stop reminiscing and stop going over old wounds." You've got to look forward. I I, I think that um, the way that we've been managed, parented, indoctrinated with society, everyone's had their own different adversities. And even if you live in the most idyllic parenting thing, that that can have its own trauma in different ways, can't it? But I I think unless you go to the root of that trauma and find a way of processing that, you're never really going to get where you're going to get to. Even if you're a multimillionaire, you've got loads of money, all all that kind of stuff. True wealth is, is, is that inner work, I think. For me, wealth is an identity anyway. So, you know, in order to to create wealth, you have to embody that identity. And if you see yourself as unworthy, you won't be able to receive. And most of my right. clients were asking me, you know, how do you work with your clients? Most of my clients who come to me have a huge fear of visibility. And usually it's down to um, they don't know how to receive. And it's always the same pattern. They've never been told they were good. They've never received yeah. love. They've never received the cuddle. So they just have this constant need for validation. But equally, they don't know how to show up. So when they show up, it shows from they're showing up from a place of uh, not being themselves. They're showing up in the way that they feel is going to attract the people because they're looking up mm. towards someone that they feel yeah. um, should be like the, the model. So when I work with them, we go back really deep and far um, through hypnosis, breathwork, and different tools. And this is when I channel and my psychic and everything come on board. And then once we have identity, and there's a lot of crying, so I always say, you're going to be crying with me, and that's cool. Allow yourself to cry because it's cathartic. Um, And then Mm. once this is done, the messaging come, the brand comes alive. Yeah. It's like a brand immersion right. and it's just literally a full healing journey. But it, the, the business is really um, increases yeah. magically. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. So talk to us about your proudest moment in your life. Oh, my gosh. That's probably one of the one I just did recently. Like... Um, I honestly feel, aside from giving birth to my daughter, and I admire every woman <laughs> for yeah. going through that, yeah. through that uh, it's probably, I went to, I was a guest at a retreat uh, doing breath work, and it was a Wim Hof retreat. And I'm a woman of the sun. I love the beach. I hate cold. I literally right. hate cold. My, my, my shower are burning hot. And I challenged myself to... Um, to jump, I mean, to do that retreat, but to do the, the to, to jump into a cold river. Right. But it, I didn't realize that it would be snowing. Like I thought, yeah. you know, it was in France, it was supposed to be okay, like okay weather. So here I was in swimming costume, jumping into a river at two degrees with the wow. snow outside. Not easy. <laughs> and I hate cold, I literally, and I thought I was gonna die, I was like, oh, I got to do it. Mm. And that moment where I did it, I did it, I lasted the first time only three minutes. I came out of it. And then I cried like a baby. It was just 
madness. I was literally shaking and crying. Something has been shifted. I can't explain what it mm. was. Yeah. Mm. So overcoming some sort of fear or yeah. Um, it's interesting you you say that as a proudest moment. It, that is obviously a magical moment. But for me, you know, being a mother and building a building a business as a solopreneur is isn't what about? I mean, isn't that in itself kind of like? I, I think sometimes we we um, we don't take stock enough around with myself. I, I lost loads of money, lost my businesses, and now built my own business, and I'm very proud of that. But I think sometimes we we give so much we don't even think about what we what we've achieved. Okay, so maybe more on a business side. I think I'm really proud to have hit six figures in a full pandemic whilst oh, wow. I'm schooling my daughter. That's a, that is a, honestly that is that's amazing. Definitely. And I was a very bad teacher. I said to my daughter, I'm the worst teacher ever and we're going to do the best we can. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there will be day where we won't be doing homework because I have a business to run. Um, but we're going to be having a lot of fun. And mm. honestly, when people were like, oh, how is it going for you? And I was doing really well. I wanted to turn it down. So, oh, that's okay. So yeah. I think it's really one of my proudest moments business-wise, yeah. Yeah. And what about what's been, you may have already um, mentioned this. Um, what, what's been your darkest moment, would you say? Um, <clears throat> it's definitely my depression. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely the moment where you can't, you can't leave your bed. And it yeah. was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've suffered from that. And many people have. And I think that it's brave enough, brave of you to talk about it. But it's like a, a hook, isn't it? And sometimes when I was going through that, it was almost like everything I thought of, said or did just was just, I just didn't want to be here. It was negative and it's kind of, um, and I think gratitude has played a big part in my recent success around just being grateful for people are going to laugh at this, but be, I, was, I was eating some food and just being grateful for how that tasted and I honestly think things like that do make a big difference in how we how, how you see the world. What would you say to that? I'm grateful for my people. I'm grateful for all the people around me who believed in me and never let me down. Mm. Because when you're in depression, you have to see how difficult it is for the people around you. Sure. They are helpless. They can't do anything. And... They they just don't understand why they can't shake you. Why this is no why yeah. are you unhappy? Why why you have everything, and you you just can't stop crying. You can't leave your bed. It's just really hard. And yeah. I'm grateful for my parents who never gave up on me. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for my best friend who's still around, the same one, mm -hmm. um, for never giving up on me. Mm. Yeah. Good. And what what pisses you off in general? Be it LinkedIn, be it life, be it men, women children <laughs> i hate cheaters and liars okay yeah <laughs> let's go into that um, let's go in. so um i never lie really um so it's very difficult for me when people will be like oh you know she or she or he is lying it never turned that over really but what would you lie about that mm. <laughs> just, or yeah. i just I'm just very what you see when you see me. I'm the same online and offline. Yeah, I'm very sure. blunt. I'm very direct. I can be a bit too French sometimes, but it is yeah. me. Mm. Uh, I have my moods up, moods down, and I'm very honest yeah. with my emotion. Um, yeah. But when you have, you know, when you have a partner, 
in your life lying or cheating on you i think it can mm. it can change you for the worse and um and it affects everything in business as well and and every mm. all around so yeah yeah I don't well, that makes sense i mean i talk a lot about relationships and um but I, I, I think relationships with friends, partners, husbands, wives, but relationships with yourself as well. How do you think the relationship with yourself has evolved and changed? And how do you think that's helped or hindered relationships with other people? I think I love myself more than I will love anyone else. That's a great answer. Yeah. And I've decided that I will always come first with my, with my little girl. Um, there was a time where I would value the others, the other people in my life, yeah. the partners or... Uh, the people I would be working with more. Mm. Um, but today, I really love myself. So I think that's really important because I think when you get to that level, you start to um, be able to have the confidence and ability to set boundaries with your partners, but also with your clients as yeah. well. And I think when I wasn't loving myself, I was kind of selling myself short and undercharging stuff and giving things away and kind of like... but. When you do the inner work and you start to have the confidence in yourself, I think you, you end up, your whole life can change. So that relationship is really important, right? I think it's very important uh, to know your worth. And the minute you you start to turn it down, you're going to try the thing that I don't mean for you. Yeah. And it's funny because I literally went through that today. <laughs> I literally made a post on Instagram. So I've been attracted attracting a brand new audience, which is not my audience. I usually work with senior executive, people in their 40s, 50s, yeah. elite, high-flying individual influencer. Mm. And lately, probably thanks or due to LinkedIn, I was attracting a lot of new, younger people, but we don't necessarily have the, who've been questioning my, my fee. Right. And it made me wonder, okay, is this a universe? Because it could be. Is this a universe showing you that you need to revisit your offer Mm-hmm. And you need to decrease your pricing. Is it the universe telling you that you need to create something for this audience? Yeah. Or is this you <laughs> having a fucked up money mindset? <laughs> yeah. And doubting yourself. So I call my first ever coach was now one of my best friends. Yeah. And I said, I have a problem with my pricing. We need to talk about this. And she literally, in one minute 46, yeah. she, I'm going to share this here because it Go was on. such a great story. And she's called Emma Lou Pox. She's amazing. She'll be grateful that I quote her here. Um, she said, Geraldine, imagine you sell Mercedes or BMW, whatever. Yeah. I know. And you have people coming in the showroom and these people are just like, you know, chubby, da da da. They don't have the money for, <laughs> for the BMW yeah. or the Mercedes. They come. Yeah. You don't sell to them. They're not going to ask for you to decrease your pricing because, you know, it is what it is. That's the price. Yeah, of course. But then you will have someone who comes in and will have the money mm. to afford your car. And then you sell to that person. And, the, and in one minute 46, I was like, that's exactly right. That is it. The right <laughs> clients will always pay the money. The moment they, they start negotiating, it's like, well, but you've got to cut them off. You've got, yeah. you've got to say no. Yeah. Um, I've, I've changed my brand recently in terms of, well, actually, thanks to you. Thank um, you. Some of the audience might not even know that recently you helped me with some brand strategy and brand direction, which I'm very, very happy with. And um, I think that um, personal brand is actually really important, right? Mm. What's your view on the skeptics of personal branding? Well, I would say exactly what I said to you when we first started talking. I said to you, you I remember exactly what I said to you, you, you look bronze, but you could be gold. Mm. And I really feel, you know, what do you want people to say about you when you're not in the room? 
Yeah. And that's the most important thing about personal branding. It's not about what you show when you're here. It's about what do they say when you're not in the room? What yeah. do they say about you? What do they remember? Mm. And you have to show up in the way that you want to be remembered for, not yeah. like a pale imitation of someone else, on, but, but like you. Mm. Who, are, who are you really? No, that makes sense. Um, you're a human being. You've had your ups and downs. You've made some great decisions in your life. What bad decisions have you made? What's your worst decision, would you say? Oh. Oh, gosh. I don't know. My worst decision. Um, yeah, maybe leaving my job in Monaco too early. Okay. Yeah. I... I le I was having an amazing career in Monaco and I left my job, moved to Toulouse um, mm. before I moved to London because at that time I was waiting to move over for my for my at a time boyfriend, yeah. who is now my husband. And um, and it was a wrong decision. I should have stayed there instead of going too fast because I spent mm. a year kind of on hold waiting. Right. And I think it was a wrong decision. I should have stayed there mm. and, and just moved when I was ready. So the, those, those type, of, type of decisions that we, we, we think we get wrong, um, it can either eat you up or, I mean, how, how do, you, do you still think about it now or you just kind of like, it doesn't matter to you or? I don't live in the past. I really don't. I only live in the future. So yeah. I, I really, really, really don't live in the past. So no, I don't think about it. So talking about the future then, what, what's that going to be looking like for you? What's the plan? I've got so many stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, um, I'm planning uh, retreats. So I love doing oh, wow. retreats. Yeah. Um, so I've got a big project coming up, which I've been birthing lately. So hopefully it's not going to be at the state of project. Hopefully it's going to, you know, because sometimes you think about things and then things happen and it never happens. Yeah. But if it happens, it's going to blow everyone's mind. It's going to be amazing. It's exciting. I haven't felt excited in a while by something. Yeah. Um, and then I am going to, um, rebranding actually. So it's something I've been willing to do for a very long time. So rebranding, not as who I am and how I show up, mm -hmm. but more, um, the way I want people to talk about me when I'm not in the room. What do you um, want them to say? Um, I actually want them to see all the brand I've been building, which I have never talked about. So yeah. when I look at my website, it's the website of someone who decided to set up a business from her kitchen table three years ago, and I'm no longer that woman. Mm. So there's a disconnect between what's here and who I became. I think that's a really good point about personal branding, because I think that um, I think you do have to repurpose or redo your brand every so often, because if you're evolving as a person, I think my brand's been like that. And I think, I think it's important that you, you always look to in, improve and enhance that. So... Um, yeah, a personal brand is an evolution of, of yourself as a human being, right? Well, I change my branding every season. I'm not right. saying because that I'm, is quite frequent. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a seasoned woman, right. and I actually believe that every time I have a shift, I have a new, yeah. it's not really. I don't change my branding. I change my visual. Yeah. Um, I would say the visual art direction. You know, there was last year at the same time my brand was really sexy mm. because I was teaching a lot about relationships, divine feminine, um, yeah. uh, sexuality and all these kind of things because it also impacts our businesses. And yeah. then it became a little bit more um, 
you know, on the healing side. And then I don't know what it's going to be next, but yeah. I believe you have to follow who you are mm. and you need to take your audience on a journey. But my messaging is still yeah. the same. Yeah. It's more the visual that evolve as I evolve. Yeah. Bit of a left field question. I want to get your view on equality and equity in terms of men and women. There's there's narratives on both sides. Um, any views on what you think men could do more of to help women and vice versa as well? Yeah, listening. <laughs> so I often say that men shut down when women talk. They're just like, yeah, yeah, but you actually don't listen. So then we get very frustrated and right. we repeat and you're just like, why are you angry? Because you didn't listen. Right, okay. And I think the, the advice I would give to men when you have a conversation with a woman, instead of thinking of your next product or your LinkedIn post or, or your next car or, yeah. or your millions, just literally take a deep breath mm. and listen, hold space for her. Sure. Because in return, a woman who is being seen, yeah. heard and valued would give you the word. It's a respect thing as well, isn't it? It's an interesting thing. You know, if, if, if you're not listening, it shows that you don't really care, you're not interested, right? Yeah. So come on then, what, what, can, what can women do more of to help men? Uh, they need to be more um, empathetic right. and less uh, demanding. I feel um, the reason why I'm working with men this year, I mean, I still have a lot of women clients, but I'm, the reason why I want to work with more men is because there's so much being done for women. Yes. You know, the feminist movement, that, that. Of course. but there's nothing for men and you have so much on your shoulder and there's no space for you to speak about how mm. you're feeling, the burden of running a business or losing your job and your wife not working for a lot of people and yeah. this, the family. And um, I feel as women, we tend to have really high expectation mm. when it comes to a partner to tell us that we are pretty, that we're not fat, that we're doing really well. Right. And actually, it should also be reciprocated yeah. like we should be able to say that you guys look good you're doing really well and yeah. but I feel when we become mother we just tend to forget that because our focus shift onto the kids I think that's a really cool perspective and a very balanced perspective because I, I, I honestly feel yes there's 100% there are some severe injustices for women I'm not denying that but there's also some injustices for men and I think I think generally that it does pan out fairly equal in a way. Yeah, maybe not equal. I wouldn't go there because go on. I would still think that um, women are expected to deal with everything. Like we are expected expected to cook, um, to be sexy, to be businesswoman, to be amazing mother, mm -hmm. uh, to suck it up, <laughs> to right. just deal with it. Yeah, and. The difference is that in the 50s, it was working to be a good cook and to be, mm. you know, housewife good, or house, and everything. Yeah, yeah. But today we, we we have most, I mean, I don't know, in my network, at least, most of the women in my network do as much as their male companion or sure. their husband. Sure, sure, sure. And yet most of the um, kids' activities are still our priority. Mm. So... I don't cook anymore. It's funny. I really love cooking. I only cook over the weekend. I made it very clear mm. since I've been setting, building my business. I, said, I can't do everything. I no. can't cook, look after my daughter, take her to the activity. Yeah. So I cook on weekends and during the week it's just... You're right. It's very stereotypical that the man tends to expect the woman just to, just to do that or to pick up the kids or to nurture the kids. And it's kind of like we can't have it both ways. 
No, I don't think you can. I'm not standing up for, for, for women too much over men. I think there is I think there's balance. But I do think that um I do think that um times have changed quite a lot and I do think that it is I think it is becoming more equal, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, it also depends in which country you live in. That's very true. Yes. I mean when you go to a pub, there's many men. Yeah. When you go to France in a bar in Paris, half women, half men. Right. Okay. So, you know, it really depends which country you're living in. Mm -hmm. We're kind of coming towards the end. It's been absolutely phenomenal to get to know you better in a podcast format. Just a couple more questions, really. So if you could turn the clock back, I know you said you, you don't look back, but you're 18 again. What would you do differently? Uh, if I was 18 again, I would, uh, I used to live in Toulouse, I wouldn't listen to my parents, I would go to Paris, and I would follow my dream, which was working, uh, um, doing video production, and it wasn't trendy at the time, so, yeah, yeah, that's what I would do. Okay, and then, finally, what would you like to leave the audience with in terms of any kind of advice around solopreneurship, motherhood, being on LinkedIn, brand building? Just anything that you feel that the audience would benefit from as a part as a parting gift. Um, I'd say just really embrace your journey, and even when the road is bumpy, um, if you're really keeping focused on your destination, you'll get there. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Where can people find you? Is LinkedIn the best place, or do you have other channels as well? can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram. Um, totally know what I'm doing on TikTok, so don't go there. <laughs> but to check it out now. <laughs> yeah, so LinkedIn and Instagram, yeah. Geraldine, absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. The Purpose Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincere, the recruitment operating system used by 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincere because I'm a customer. I love their modern REC OS system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle, and back office operations of executive search, permanent contract, and temp businesses. If you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. They have Follow the Sun support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners. The Purpose Led Leadership Podcast is also sponsored by My People Group. My People Group helps recruitment businesses to inject a genuine added value differential into the service they offer to clients. The product is a data-driven, talent-fit platform that enables and ensures candidates are placed in roles where they will thrive and teams where they will feel happiest. Candidates feel valued throughout the process and hiring managers are empowered to make better decisions. The results are incredible. Recruitment businesses introducing my people as part of their recruitment service are winning much more high quality business, strengthening existing relationships with clients and securing more placements. Used internally, the product enables you to develop your people efficiently and allows you to better assess the team fit of new hires. I chose to partner with my people because I firmly believe when identifying, attracting and developing talent, behaviors and attitude are just as, if not more important than skills and experience. My people specialize in measuring the environmental, behavioral and psychological factors that affect team success. So I couldn't think of a more aligned partner. 
They're working with over 50 UK recruitment firms and have previously supported some of Britain's greatest supporting elite teams, such as England Rugby, Saracens RFC, numerous Premier League football teams and the Philadelphia 76ers. They believe that your culture is the key to engaging your people, maximising health and well-being, and unlocking team performance. So if you're serious and you're looking for a better way to enhance your culture, drive performance and make better hiring decisions with my people, drop me a line at chris at basemindset.com for an exclusive offer for all listeners. Thank you.